Welcome to Just to Know You, the podcast that interviews regular people at SAES and finds out they are far from regular. That's right. I'm your host, Darian Batten. And I'm Angela Kerskadden. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to Just to Know You podcast. Thank you so much. We have Dr. Smith joining us today. Welcome, Dr. Smith. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. So we usually start off our podcast by kind of setting the like foundations of like, where did you come from? And um, where did you go to school? Bring us all the way up kind of to to kind of where you went to university. Okay, that sounds great. I, I grew up in a suburb of Minneapolis, a, a suburb a little bit north of the city it's called Spring Lake Park, which is I would say it's, it's a pretty small suburb, kind of a, a first ring suburb of Minneapolis and smaller school for a suburban school city you know a lot of the schools around us were a lot bigger but i think the important thing to note is i grew up with a family of five boys oh wow um so i'm the fourth of 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 five boys and my mother's still alive i don't know how but so that's a a big (laughs) part of of who i am is is my family for sure and there i i went through kindergarten through 12th grade at that school system and when i graduated i went to marquette in milwaukee for a couple of years and uh, it was interesting because I was planning on going back for my third year at Marquette, and I had a, I was going to study abroad in Madrid, and I had an extra weekend in there between Christmas and the January um, when I left to go to Marquette. And so at that time, my younger brother was visiting a small liberal arts school in Minnesota called St. John's, and that's where my father had graduated from. And so... Um, I was familiar with it. I'd been on the campus a lot, but I'd never considered going there at all. I don't know why, but I just had never considered it. Um, and so I went with my brother as he was visiting it. And when I walked on the campus, I thought, why would why would I go back to Milwaukee where Marquette is when I could live here at St. John's? St. John's is on, it's in a rural setting and it's in a, it's a wooded campus. It's just a beautiful campus. Mm-hmm. And, and Marquette's a Jesuit Catholic school. It's a big Jesuit school. I mean, it's a great school, but Marquette is a, or St. John's is a small um, Benedictine school, and they're very different in terms of their philosophies. And I felt very much at home right away at St. John's. And I said, well, Mark, I don't know if you're going to go here, but I'm going to switch. And I I was very happy at Marquette, but I just made the switch there. And then that's where I ended up graduating from. So I went to the study abroad through Marquette, came back my junior and senior years at St. John's, which was great because that's where I met my wife, um, met her soon after arriving there. And so that's probably the biggest um, impact of being at St. John's was meeting right. Katie and being there. Um, the yeah. education was fine, but um, of course, having her in my life was the biggest thing from there. Sure. And so then from there, I went, um, started, I joined the Peace Corps and oh, cool. did some things on that. And I got my master's and my doctorate at uh, St. Mary's School in, in Minnesota as well. So okay, that's a so, quick run through. Yeah, that was real zip. <laughs> um, so when you were, uh, your first degree at St. John's, was that in education? It was a double major of Spanish and elementary education. Oh, very cool. I didn't know you that you speak Spanish. Yes. How I often do. do you get to practice speaking Spanish? Well, what, it's one life? of the fun things here is that we do have some people in the office here, um, yeah. Loriana, that speaks Spanish. Um, when I was at the Hills as a principal, I, I would speak probably almost every day, at least a little bit. Um, when when we left here in 2012, we went to Fargo. And when I was in Fargo f- 
for four years, I didn't really speak too much. But then I was in El Salvador for a year. And when I was in El Salvador, I spoke quite a bit of Spanish. So I, it takes me a while to get up and, and not, I wouldn't say I'm fluent, but I do pretty well. You, you graduated and then you went to the Peace Corps after. Correct. Yep. So you met your wife, but then you said, I'm going to the Peace Corps for yeah, two this years. Is, yeah. So this was an interesting <laughs> story because when we started, when we started to, to get to know each other better, you could say, I don't know, they don't use the word dating anymore, but old people, so. old people Maybe. still do. Right. So <laughs> yeah. we can, so when we started to date, I had just applied. So, and then, and then it takes about six months till you find out. And so then when I found out, we had grown pretty close at that time. And so we had to make the decision whether we were going to stay together or apart. Or and so what we decided to do is try to stay together apart. Yeah. And, and so then I went down to Honduras is where I was in the Peace Corps. Oh, yes. And then after about three months of being down there on a, on a phone call, we decided to get married. And so it wasn't a, wow. it wasn't a very big um, proposal. It was more of a, yeah, I think we mm -hmm. need to be together. And so at that point then, that we were we were officially engaged no ring or anything like that yeah. but we decided that we were gonna get married and so after i'd been in the peace corps for about two well i'd done the training for three months and then after about two months and she came down and, and lived there perfect yeah. and so then um yeah so then after that she she was an unofficial peace corps member what was your work in honduras around it was an environmental education and so the, the, the two projects that we worked on, the, the biggest one was uh, we lived on the edge of the Rio Platano biosphere, which is a huge reserve for rainforests, but it's uh -huh. also a reserve for cultures. And so that's why they call it the, a biosphere. And um, there's some indigenous cultures that live in there. And we lived right on the edge in a village um, without running water and electricity. Mm -hmm. And the people that lived in the village were called Garifuna people. Okay. And the Garifuna people are people that have all descended. This is the story is that they're descendants from three slave ships okay. that sank in a storm. And so they were never formally enslaved in the Western Hemisphere. <laughs> and they, from the, the, the ships that sank, they landed on an island or however they got to this island called St. Vincent in the Caribbean. And they lived there, and then they mixed with the people, the indigenous people from there, from St. Vincent. And their culture then was real strong. It was African, but it was also from the Caribbean. Hmm. And the British were trying to subdue them, but they were such fierce enemies yeah. to the British that they came up with a, uh, an agreement that they would move them all to the north coast of, of Guatemala, Honduras, and Belize, so along that area. And that's where we were in the Peace Corps. So they speak Spanish, but they also speak Garifuna. Oh wow! And so this is a long, a long story. But no, so on cool. the edge, on the edge of the of the biosphere is this village, and the the teacher at the school, the principal at the school, is assigned to. He had the idea of this this rainforest reserve, this biosphere, is such a special gift to the people and, and to the yeah. country. But for a child growing up in a village like that, you can't comprehend the size and the scope mm -hmm. and what it means. And so his idea was to create a small nature reserve for the school that the children could walk through and do studies in it. And so that was a big part of my project was we, we created a walk through the mangroves wow. and then a spot for there to be classes and, and do all that. So that was a really yeah. neat project. And it was it was a really special thing because it was his idea 
and then I was along for the ride, kind of just helping out. Um, hmm. And then the other part, we did some work with sea turtles and, and, and some things like that. Now, did so. you see that project till the end? Yes. Wow. Yep. So have you been back since? We've been back, yeah. We've been back a couple times. The, the project itself was destroyed in a hurricane. Um, and so oh. that no longer is there. But it's, it's a lot like, it's very funny because it's a lot like the one that's on the way to Rastanura. So you have the, oh, the really? mangrove park. Yep. Yeah, so it was a mm -hmm. lot like that, except it was only $1,000. Mm -hmm. I think the one in Rastanur was a couple <laughs> million. <laughs> but it was so a very funny. similar idea yeah. where you try to get people out into the mangroves and, and get to appreciate it and whatnot. Yeah. So, but that definitely <laughs> was, for Katie and I, it really cemented our kind of our life together as as people that yeah. enjoy being being together in different cultures and yeah. then just realizing that you don't um, know that much when yeah. you go to a new place and there's a lot to learn. Um, yeah. They took very good care of us. And when we've gone back, it's been really fun to see. Mm -hmm. They named one of their, one of the, our friends named the child after Katie and Aww. it was fun to see, watch her grow up over the years. And it, it was a very, very impactful time I'm sure. in her life. Yeah. It sounds like a really special place. So you and Katie get married and then you move to where? To After Minnesota. That? Okay. Yep. She's from North Dakota. So she's from a town, a small town called Hillsboro, North Dakota, which is about 1,100 people. So she graduated in a class of about 25. And um, so I was, you know, grew up in the suburbs. Um, but we decided our first post Peace Corps job was teaching in a city called Shakopee, which is south of Minneapolis, a suburb of Minneapolis. Um, and what did you teach? I taught second and third grade. Cool. Yep. And so then I know children come in the mix at some point. Yes. Yes. So then we were married in 95 and then our son was born in 98. In April okay. 98. Yep. Our oldest son, Connor's 25 now. Okay. Yep. Or and? he'll be 25. And then uh, Bridget is next. She's 23. Okay. And then Fiona is our youngest and she's 20. She'll be 21 in August. Was your first overseas when you guys came to Dharan the first time? No. So the, what we did is we we kind of thought that we were done going overseas because you know we had done the, we had done Peace Corps and then we wanted to have a family. Yeah. And we weren't really aware that there was a way to be in education and mm -hmm. go overseas. And it, you know, I'd heard about it, but I thought that was for people that were special. You know, that was that was something that we <laughs> wouldn't be able to achieve. Yeah. And so we didn't really think too much about it. And that, and I was a principal in Western Wisconsin. And the high school principal had been in overseas schools quite a bit. And so we started to talk a little bit to him. And we said, well, do you think that we, you know, we'd ever be able to, to get a position overseas? And he made it sound pretty hard because, you know, to, to be an administrator at overseas school, never having officially been in an overseas school was... So we didn't think it was real likely, but we were lucky enough to get a position in Berlin at the John F. Kennedy School, which in, in a, a bilingual German-American school. Okay. And that was our first official overseas or international school. But I still think that the Peace Corps really, you know, was a was a much more difficult sure. in a lot of ways. And, and uh, you, you know, said there was no running more. water, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that so that was the first official one was in at, uh, in Berlin. And okay. we loved we loved Berlin a lot. And how long were you there school. for? We were there for two years. Okay. Our hope was that we would have been there a little bit longer, but the, the tax 
laws in Germany were really difficult. So your first two years are tax were tax free. Okay. And then your third year, you would have had to repay the taxes from the first two years oh and start paying them. So it was about a thirty thousand euro bill that we would have been facing. And we the pay at the school was funny because it was based based on your job, your so your title, your education, and then your age. Oh. And so we were we were pretty young at the time, and so we were making you know just enough to kind of get by mm-hmm. and do some traveling. But with that thirty thousand euro bill, we were going to get it just was. Yeah. Yeah. So we, that doesn't seem reasonable. No, no. So we we had decided to come back, go back to the states at that time. Okay. Did you have and, your kids with? You? Did you have your kids at this point? Yep. When you yep. Were, we okay. had all three of them. Yep. Because mm-hmm. then we realized, oh, you can bring kids overseas. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they have the schools, yeah. right? <laughs> and so then, um, so we decided to go back to the states, and I had a um, middle school position offered to me near in western Wisconsin, near where we were going to be. Now, at and, that point, were you? Did you and Katie think like, okay, we did our two years. Now we're going to settle well, in, kind in the of, states. Yeah, kind of. That's what we were we were thinking. And so yeah. we, part of my job before I left Berlin though was to recruit for that school. Mm-hmm. And so then I went to the recruitment fair in Boston, and I was hiring people. <laughs> and then um, a, a gentleman from Western Wisconsin, who who was a, a superintendent there, who we knew just a little bit, he came to me and he said. You know, I work at a school called ISG, and you know we would like you to to come and you know have a role and you know talk about it and different. And I, I told me more, and he said, "Well, we're in Saudi Arabia." And I said, oh, "I don't, I don't really think we're we're very interested." And I said, "I have a position back in Wisconsin that we're going to take probably, and I feel pretty good about being back there and close to family." And and then he said, "Well, since since you said no to me, he said what." Why don't you just go? He said, it "Might be worth your time to go talk to um, Dr. Much. He's uh, he's at Aramco Schools." And I said, "Well, I'm not very interested, but you know, I respected him, so I said, yeah, I'll, I'll go talk to Dr. Much." And so, my first question to to Brent at the time was, because I thought it would be an easy no. Yeah. I, you know, I didn't. I wasn't interested in going to Saudi Arabia. I knew yeah. Katie wouldn't be interested. She wasn't at the job fair. Yeah. And so, my first question for him was. I know Katie's first question is going to be, "Can you go to church?" Oh, and so so my question for him was, "You can't go to church there, right?" And he he said, "Well, actually, you can." And I was like, "Oh, okay." So he kind of took that one away from me, right? You know, it's funny. I I was trying to place like what timeline this was going to be in, and and I'm just guessing was this kind of like like early two thousands, like two thousand and six. Okay, or two thousand five, maybe. Okay, in my mind, when you're like. I was guessing what question was your first question, and I thought you were going to say, "Is it safe?" I thought that that was kind of uh, you know we weren't um, overly worried about that until we accepted the job, and then everyone back home started telling us how dangerous right. it was. Right. <laughs> because everything you know we had been in kind of Honduras wasn't isn't the same, but it's kind of got its own dangers and stuff and so we weren't really concerned about that and and brent had told us it was safe and everything so that wasn't one of our big worries it was it was more being probably away from family and then the the, being able to practice our faith and things like that so yeah so anyways he he ended up talking us into coming you guys came to daron for the first time and how long were you here we were here for six years so we were here from 2006 to 2012 in two, 2000, I think probably November, December 2011, my mother-in-law suffered a real bad fall, mm-hmm. and she fractured her neck, 
she was able to walk still, but there was a, it was a fracture that really just kind of, she spiraled down after that. And so we knew that she probably had maybe, you know, two to three years, four years to live. And so we, we just made the decision kind of right when we saw her, when we came back to the States to, to see her in the hospital and stuff. And we just kind of knew that it was it was time to just go back. And we, it was always interesting because we've always loved living here. We love the culture. We love the people. And, and so we were, we didn't want to leave because we liked it. And then we thought, you know, there's so many people that complain about living there and here we are leaving and we love it there, but we, you know, so it was a hard decision, but it was the right decision to make for sure. It was. What ages were your kids at that time? So our son was going into ninth grade. Okay. Um, and then Bridget was going into seventh grade and Fiona was going into fifth grade. So then how long were you in the States before you went to El Salvador? For four years. So okay. we were in El Salvador for four years. And it was interesting because at that time we kind of had thought we would probably got done going overseas again. Yeah. And then um, we talked to, I actually talked to Dr. Much again. Yeah. <laughs> and he, and I had a, I was at a conference in Colorado for my job in North Dakota. And, and then he had, he had just said, have you thought about maybe going back overseas as a school head? And I thought, well, you know, th- that's kind of for other people. You know, that's for people that, you know, are more advanced, more not, you know, you just kind of always think that you're not, you, you know, you doubt yourself and what you can do. And he said, no, absolutely, you should should consider it. And and so then we started to, to think about where we could go. And so the first thing was to approach the girls. My son had graduated from, was graduating from high school. Mm-hmm. And so even if he had an opinion, it wasn't going to be a major right. part of it. And so we went to the girls who one was going to be going into 11th grade and then one was be going into ninth grade. A little bit surprised the 11th grader, Bridget said, yeah, let's do it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and her path now um, has been greatly shaped by, by the moves. Mm-hmm. So she was in El Salvador for a year. And then we then we came here that next year. We were only in El Salvador for one year. Were you in San Salvador? Yes. Yep. And what drew you to El Salvador? Well, the Spanish speaking was a mm-hmm. big part of it. And we really thought that that would be a good place for the girls. You know, we were close enough where we could come home and see our son. Yeah. And, it's not too you know, far. do some of that. Yep. And then just the, the culture was something that we felt pretty comfortable in. And we thought it would be neat for the girls to experience that and we thought that that school gave would give them good opportunities for university and and whatnot so and then ultimately why did you leave after one year well because aramco offered the position ah yeah now there were some difficulties there that you know made it the um the first week the first day of school my first so my year there there was I, i saw a dead body get thrown out of a trunk of a car really and so that was really kind of like, okay, now is this a place? Like at first, I, when I saw it, I was out on my morning run, mm-hmm. and and so it's like, okay, do I tell my family I saw this? You, you not tell, you know? But I knew everyone was going to be talking about it, and so that was kind of a tough start. And then I think maybe two weeks later, the board president was arrested for wow. doing things. So it was kind of like a rough start. But then we, you know, we settled in. Um, we were doing pretty well with everything. But then, um, again, at the recruitment fair, John Kerry approached me with the possibility of coming back here. And he's, you know, he said probably in a few years, 
you know, there'll be an opening. So are you still interested? And I said, well, yeah, definitely I would be. You know, we're going to be in El Salvador. Just we'll see see each other at the recruitment fairs and stay in touch or whatever. And then they called back and said it's actually for next year. We've had some changes and everything, so so it moved pretty quickly. And so that was what year did you come back? Two thousand and seventeen. How did it feel coming back to Saudi? Like did it, was, it felt like coming home. Yeah, yeah, it was really nice. Yeah, I was surprised at how many people were here. And, you know, oh, yeah. as much as far as... We don't like had, to leave, usually. No, no, people don't leave. <laughs> so as far as things that had changed, there was a lot of changes. Yeah. But what felt good was that the way that I remembered the schools of being so kid-centered, mm-hmm. such happy people, such happy families, supportive families, all of that was still here. And so it felt, even though everyone said, oh, it's so different now, it it definitely was. But at the same time, it was very much why we had had trouble leaving the first time just because of the the community and and the quality and you know just just the type of people that you work with it's it's unbelievable how you can be here and i can go to any of the schools or walk down my hallway at central office and every single person that you work with is positive Mm -hmm. and they're going to be doing what's best for kids yeah and they're intelligent and they're kind and it just most work environments, you don't have that concentration of high-quality people, I don't think. So when you came here, you you came here as the associate, no, as the superintendent. Yes. Okay. So has your job been what you thought it was going to be when you came here? In some ways, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, very much. I, I, I think the parts that have been what I thought they would be is, again, it's the people and the relationships. The part that was a, really a struggle and, and is every day still is trying to find that balance of what what's my role in terms of with the company interfacing with the school and so that's always a bit of a of a challenge and I've I've kind of come to the the realization that what my main job is to do is to really try to get the school the resources to to get the school the things that they to make sure people understand the good work that's going on to the school yeah. and that takes so much time yeah. that my time getting into schools is almost like it's it's a, it's 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 a very I could get very frustrated with it yeah. but I've come to the point where no I fulfilling a very important role sure. and even if it isn't the visibility that I would foreseen or hope for mm-hmm. it's doing the important work still and so that's yeah. kind of what's different you know i I envisioned myself like in el salvador and in fargo as superintendent Mm -hmm. i was in the schools a lot i was in in here i've just kind of i don't want to say given up but i but i realized my time where i spend my time if i'm going to serve the kids and to serve the teachers it's it's not necessarily where i thought i would be spending it yeah which is fine it's just you kind of have to get to that spot yeah 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 there's so many hours a day and if you waste them doing things that you feel good or other people feel good but it doesn't it doesn't help advance the work it it, you just have to be careful um i'm gonna like just shift a little bit and i'm just gonna ask you some kind of like more like general questions about about you um i know that you are a runner tell me about your hobby how how serious do you slot yourself in as being a runner well I think it's a pretty big part of our identity as a family, really, yeah. to be honest. I, I run, Katie and I run pretty much every day together now um, cool. when we can. And we've, I think I, one of our first 
dates together was running. So it's it's always been something that we've we've done together. Our three children run a lot. Wow. And whenever we go on vakation, you know, when the you kids were little, run. what we do is well, we don't usually go as a family. That doesn't work out quite so well. <laughs> but what we've always done, like on vacation, when they were let's say five, seven, and nine, we we would get up in the morning before they'd get up, and we'd sneak out. We'd go wherever we were and we'd go for a 45 minute run and we'd yeah. come back and then they'd be waking up and we'd, so we'd be able to see a lot of the cities and the different things where we were staying. Yeah. And then we could take a different pace with the kids cause we'd already seen sure. a lot, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. So we, it's a pretty big part. I don't think of myself as like, um, like I think sometimes when people think of runners, they think that they think other people can't run or shouldn't run or they exclude. I'm a very like inclusive, like I run with people that are way faster than me. I run with people that are slower than me. Yeah. And I, I just enjoy exercising and being outside. And, and I, we belong to a kind of a loose group of runners that are mostly Saudi runners. And that's been some of the ways I've gotten to know some people. Yeah. So it's, I would say we take it a little bit more serious than just recreational, Yeah. but at the same time, we have a lot of fun doing it. And you, do you have any like injuries or, you, you know, your body's No, okay? we feel pretty good. Yeah. Good. We feel pretty good. Yeah. That's... No, we try to do some cross training um, and, and try to moderate, you know, if, if you do feel something, you know, kind of slow down a little bit. And I think we're, we're maybe lucky with some genetics and things like that, yeah. but, but we've been running for, for a long time. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, we, and we love it. You know, it's, it's yeah. one of those things that we just, we love to do. Yeah. I, I used to run a little bit more, but um, my body kind of hurts a little. I don't know. Yeah. It just doesn't seem to want to do it. With walking, a lot of the research on walking is, is that it's just as good for you or, you know, oh, swimming. Yeah. It's, you just have to find doing, find an activity you like to do with people you like to do it with. Yeah. And for us, it's, it's running. Yeah. And I think when you do that, sometimes people kind of put you in a certain box <laughs> and, and, and we're, we, we don't like to be in that box. Um, tell me how, how was the COVID um, year for you and um, at your house and personally, and, you know, if there was anything that like came that was good from COVID, um, what was that like for you? <laughs> um, yeah. I don't think much, I'm not very positive about COVID, yeah. um, but I think, you know, for me, it was, it was a tough time just because we were, as a family, we were split up, yeah. you know, there, I think there was a three month time where Katie and I were separated, you know, for, you know, to, to watch the kids go through it. And, and I, you know, a lot of the things the school had to do, I, I personally didn't agree with it. You know, I think a lot of the, like, just even I'll be controversial probably when I say it, but like even the masking and the, I, I always felt that that was the wrong thing to do. I didn't think it was the right thing. I felt that it was a, a, a terrible disease that was spreading. But at the same time, I didn't think that we could control it. And pretending that, you know, you could lock people up and then let them out and then it would be a way. Like, it just, none of that ever made sense to me. Right. But as a principal and a system or a superintendent and assistant, I had to do things that I didn't necessarily agree with. Yeah. And so that was really, really difficult. And, you know, not that there's a right way to do it. But I would say it was a very difficult, challenging time. Um, I think that the staff, the teachers were unbelievable and the patience and the the resilience that they mm -hmm. showed and showing up to work and doing that with the kids. It was unbelievable. And that's the part where I think it was just, it was so hard to watch everyone, you know, suffering through all this where mm -hmm. I just didn't 
didn't think it was the right the right thing to do but you don't have any scientific evidence yeah to refute it yeah yeah and you you just kind of have to like everyone else you just have to follow along but i i'm hesitant to say anything good i know but I, i hear what you're saying like i know that there's a lot of systematic things and people but I'm not quite there yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what about like at home? Do, like, were you like, ah, oh, I got to spend more time with the family? Although you but, said your family the, was split Well, the up. first month was kind of fun right, because sure. it was Fiona, <laughs> yeah. Fiona, Katie, and I. So yeah. that first month was actually, I'm like, oh, this is good. We did, um, you know, we did running in our yard. Oh, and we did, wow. You know, and, and that, as awful as that kind of was, it was kind of, it was, that part was kind of fun. We got to spend a lot of time together. We yeah. did Fiona's, we did Fiona's se- senior prom in our on our oh. patio the three of us oh that's so cute yeah and that was really i mean that was a great night um yeah. and i think we'll always remember that as as fun um and so some of those things were, were pretty special but then yeah. i think shortly after that i drove them to Riyadh, and then they got on the, one of those special flights back yeah. and it was like okay well we don't i'm not sure when we're gonna see you guys again yeah. and so that was it was, was weird time yeah, isn't it didn't it enjoy that so much uncertainty what would surprise people to know about you? I don't know. That's a good question. I think maybe that um, maybe what I really think about learning and, and education, like I don't know, you know, we everything that we're saying with the strategic transformation and the whole child and like that, I really believe deeply in that. And I don't it's know. It's not just a line. You're yeah. Not just a- yeah. Like for me, it's like, I'm so passionate about the whole child and yeah. like the value of play and, and, yeah. the, and discovering children, discovering things on their own, the um, decision make, like everything that we're doing, I believe so much in it. And I think sometimes because our schools are so big that, that it, it comes across too much like a, a, a business and there, and there's not enough um, permission for people to really just love what they do. And I think if people maybe knew how much that joy of learning and the joy of just being around kids and having fun with them, how, how important that was to me, I think it might surprise people because they see you in a, a role and you have a yeah. title and yeah. all that. And so, so maybe they would, you know, the people that know me well probably wouldn't be surprised, but I think people that don't know me as well, because they, you know, you equate the superintendent with all these decisions, you know, Right, um, hiring leaves, you know, all those things, and that's that's a reality that we always have to deal with, and not something that's always enjoyable. But what, why I went into education and and why I do it is still it's about that the joy of learning and the whole child and all that stuff. Yeah, well, that's interesting. That's really that's really cool to know. Like as you were talking about that, I was just kind of envisioning like. I guess a teacher like on the floor with kids and uh, laughing and um, and I completely agree with you. I mean, what a beautiful moment this is to just like enjoy the actual like love of teaching and being with being with kids. That's, yeah, I mean, yeah. like if I would like if, if I would walk by a classroom and that was going on, that would be like I'm working. My work is going well. Like people right. see that, or I walk by and it's recess time and there's kids out there playing like okay we're this is a good school and i i i don't know if because of map scores and all that stuff if people would really say does that people know, if would, I walk by, would if they sit up straight right. and go oh my head in it and so that's the part where i don't i don't know yeah yeah oh that's re- that's really cool um who is somebody that you admire 
I'll t- uh, the one I'll pick is one that I've, I um, I admire a lot of people, but one there's a um, a teacher at the school where where Katie and I went to school. Um, he's I think he's 95 or 96, and he writes a daily a daily reflection that you can read. I think he's someone that I admire a lot because of the the focus that he puts on living living with gratitude and mm-hmm. um, understanding that you know your life is a gift. What are you going to do with it? And the way that he takes a very complex message and makes it very simplified mm-hmm. and then acknowledges that he doesn't live it. You know, he tries, yeah. but no one ever, you know, no one ever is perfect. And so yeah. he's someone that I, I I would say I admire because of what he says, but then also because it's somebody that, that we've read his work for our whole marriage. So we've been married like 27, 28 years and we've read his work probably almost every day. And so that's been some somebody that just continue to learn. And you read, you read it one year and it, it hits you a certain way. And then mm-hmm. you read the same thing, you know, sure. five years later and yeah. it hits you another way. And so he's someone that's had a lot of influence on, on, on me. What an amazing gift to be able to take complex things and simplify them. That yeah. is, that's a, that is absolutely. a, a And, and not a only gift. complex, but I would say the things that, if you're going to ask a human being, like, what's the most important thing in your life? He's talking about those things, right? You know, it's, it's, you know, work is work. And, but like, what, as a human, what do you really want to do with your life mm. and make, you know, make that accessible for people? I think is really a, a gift. What are to, your, what are your values? In terms of just personal, overall, like, like personal, in your, yeah. I think, um, I think a big part of it is to have gratitude mm-hmm. and, and to, to value that. I think family would mm-hmm. be a really important thing. Exercise. I think exercise yeah. is really important. Sure. I don't know if it's a value or not, but I think, you know, you have one, yeah. one um, body and if, you know, the better you take care of it, the more, you know, you're going to enjoy kind of doing things with your life. And I think that that's something that, that definitely I put a value on. What sounds like to me is that you, you seem to be really kind of on this, like, like you're always conscious of how to be better and how to, you're always seeing, you know, it sounds like you're reading every day and learning and, you know, it sounds like you're exercising and you're always kind of moving in, in a forward direction. What are you, I don't know if you, if it's like, you know, if you actually have a goal or something that you're just kind of working on, working towards bettering yourself. What's something that you're, that well, I think it's trying to be present, like wherever Mm. I'm at. And then Mm. that's really what, what I think it is because it's always going to be shifting otherwise. And then I think an alignment between what I do Mm -hmm. and what I believe and what's important to me. Mm -hmm. Like that's always what I'm trying to to do is 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 how I spent my time today aligned with what is important to me, right. and if that alignment is there, can I are there things I can shift to make it more aligned, or am I just kind of going to have to get through these next three days because I know it's going to be really difficult to find alignment? Because I think even being conscious of that yeah. is important. Where where you don't have control of everything, but you have control of how you react to it. And if yeah. you can't react necessarily the way you want to, if you can maybe say, I, I'm going to bridge through this next two weeks or, you know, next hour or whatever it might be just to, to kind of put my head down and get through that so that I can find alignment through on the other side. Yeah. Does so that when, make sense? Yeah. So when you, when you come to those days and 
periods or three days in your life where you're like, I just got to get through this to get through the other side. What is your thinking about that? Is it like I can, I can get through the next couple days or this doesn't feel right? Why am I just suffering to get, th- get through this to get to the other side? For, it depends a little bit on the, on what right. the scenario sure. is a little bit, but I think a big, a big belief that, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be fine. You're going to be well, yeah. Every, yeah. It, it will be well at the, yeah. you know, when you go through it. And then I, I think usually an assessment of, can I control this? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was a speaker I heard um, not too long ago that talked about, you know, did you do your best mm-hmm. and did you do the right thing? And so kind of going back to those types of questions, it kind of gets you through because you, there's a lot of times you can't do the things that you want, but did you do sure. the best and did you do the right thing? And so I think that helps, helps yeah. a lot. And then I think a heavy dose of, of exercise and then framing things in the right perspective so that, you know, sometimes we get, we get, take ourselves so seriously, right? You know, that's <laughs> okay. I, you know, I'm the superintendent of the schools and I, you know, there's 3000 kids, that, but I mean, really, I mean, yeah, there's a superintendent, but you're really just, it's a, you're, or whatever, you know? So I think you really have to work hard to, to take yourself lightly when mm-hmm. some of those things are going on. And I don't mean it to be like, you don't care because it's mm-hmm. different. But it's like, okay, this this thing is, and is it going to matter in a year or two years or five years? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, how do you deal with stress? There's got to be a little bit of stress in your life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it really all of us. You know, I think the position sometimes people think, are, but I think we're all faced with with the stress. And um, I try to use it to the advantage. So, if it's something that is, you know pressuring you to kind of identify it. And I don't necessarily think that stress is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of how you frame it. And so, you know, to frame it the, the proper way. And I think worry and stress and anxiety are, they're mm-hmm. a little bit different. Yeah. And so, you know, I think stress is, is okay because it, it, you know, it's kind of that getting your, your blood pumping or your brain flowing or all, all that can be part of that, but then it intermixes with anxiety or, yeah. or, or, worry and those I don't think are health. Like I don't think that's healthy. And so you try to, I I always try to separate what's, what am I anxious about Uh and what's stressful and, you know, to kind of think about those, those things because the anxiety usually will reach you steer you towards poor decision-making, I think, or maybe taking yourself too seriously or some of that type of thinking where Mm -hmm. I think stress you know, can, can make you stronger. can maybe say, okay, what do I need to do? I need to go exercise. I need to get a good night's sleep. I need to be yeah. hydrated. And so it, it's really taking a look, look at it. Does, do you think running helps you to? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, of- e- yeah. Either if I run alone, then, you know, I get my mind to go, or if I run with someone else and you can talk to them. And one of the other things I really think is important is to talk to people that really don't care about school. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, like I, one of the guys I run with, like he does, he doesn't care about. He he never asked me about. So he doesn't care. He, he he knows everything about school. I mean, he yeah. went to school. He don't. Right. And so, you know, the it's a Saudi guy who could care. I mean, not in a bad way, but he doesn't really care yeah, what happens sure. at school. Fair and enough. So, <laughs> and so, you know, I think that's a real big part of it too. Is in 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 our in our work because we're so tight knit in schools. I think it's really important to have friends outside of that yeah. that environment because otherwise it just can kind of, I mean, it can be helpful, but you have to kind of keep a, 
an, uh, governor on the switch a little bit to, to understand how it's impacting you. And so I think running mm -hmm. does to answer your question. Yeah. I think yeah. running does help. Yeah, sure. I mean, like the other things you were talking about, like, you know, family, it feels like running kind of check that box and then being present and um, having gratitude. I feel like running is, is a really good mindfulness exercise, right? I do too. Yeah. Just, I, yeah. It's kind of you and in, in your, in your thoughts a lot. I mean, unless you listen to music and chat with the person beside you. No, my wife calls Katie calls it running revelation. So yeah. she'll come back from a run and say, okay, this is my running revelation and got it all figured out. And, and I think that that's, you know, true because your endorphins are, your blood's flowing, you get yeah. more oxygen. And, and I think you do, you do tend to um, have better thinking when you're physical. A lot of times if I have a, a big project I need to work on, I'll go for a long run first and then go do the project. And yeah. then you know, everything's working a little bit better. This has been really, really nice because I feel like I've known you for a couple of years, but I actually didn't know a lot about you. So, I mean, I guess I only kind of see you in passing, just kind of like in a yeah. meeting or something and just say, how was your weekend? But yes. um, it's been really nice to get to know you. And oh, I appreciate you inviting me in. I, I Now I have to go listen to some of the other ones. <laughs> yes. Yeah, for sure. No, I think it's, you know, I think it's really cool because we have these relationships with people and we, and yeah. there is so many interesting people that we work with and we know around here. And this podcast is just such a, a cool platform for people to share their stories and just get to know everybody. I'm really glad there. that you're all doing it. I think it's really a neat, when I heard about the project at the first, I, I fell in love with it right away. And yeah. I just think it's a really a, a good way for people to get to know each other. It's been really good. And uh, luckily we have such a, a dream team here to help us along the way. So thank you so much for your time. And um, we look forward to um, talking to you and getting to know you again, maybe um, part two one day. Well, I appreciate it. It was really fun. Thanks for including me. Thanks, Mike. Yep. Take care of you guys. Thank you for listening to Just To Know You. We would like to thank our amazing tech man, Mr. Kent Arimura. Sterling McDonald for the podcast music and the SAES community. See you next time. If you know anyone who you think has a great story to tell, we would love to hear about it. Please send an email to either Angela, Darian, or Kent.